I didn't just drive a minivan uh, on the sabbatical this summer. Uh, if you are new to our church, I was away for a few months and our family just drove around half of North America in a van. So I wasn't just, you know, uh, driving around. Uh, Tony and I also enjoyed some, some, some television. And one of the, TV, one of the uh, television shows we enjoyed watching this summer was the show Alone. Have you ever seen this show? How many of you? Raise your hand. Alone. Yeah. Oh, way more of you. Way more fans of Alone in this service. First service, I don't think they watch TV. Uh, the 9 a.m. Uh, there was like nobody. Uh, there were like 10 people. But anyway, so alone, you, you know this show. So this show, uh, they pick 10 people and they put them in the wilderness. And basically these 10 people have to outlast each other. They're given these satellite phones so they can at any point be like, I'm out. And a boat or, you know, a car comes and picks them up, right, from their remote location. But they are, like, in remote locations, and they always drop, they seem to drop them off, like, in September, so, like, the weather starts to turn super cold, October, November, and, and the, these people are out there for, like, three months, and there's, like, bears and cougars, and, like, they're just, it's crazy. And, uh, and they're only allowed to take 10 things with them into the wilderness. Um, and, uh, and the prize, get this, the prize is $500,000, that's lame. Like, like, if I'm going to put myself in the wilderness for three, three I mean, listen, $500,000. That's amazing. That's wonderful, right? But like, if you're going to do this, like, come on, TV show. I think it's like the History Channel. Maybe they don't have a good budget, but it's like, we got to at least start at a million, right? A million is the prize money. If you're going to put yourself out there with bears for three months. Um, but anyway, I was trying to like, and my family bears, we were, in the, we were in the redwoods this summer, and like the park ranger, when we were pulling into our campsite, was like, hey, just, you know, we just spotted a bear uh, near where, and then that was it. My, the females in my family slept in the van that night. Um, but so, so here's the deal. Like when I was doing the research about this show alone and why people call in, you know, they're like a month in the wilderness, two months in the wilderness, and they're like, I'm, ta- I'm out. Um, you would think it'd be the bears, you'd think it'd be the cougars, you'd think it'd be starvation, um, or you know, making soup out of pine needles, or whatever it is that they do. Uh, but it's not. Actually, a ton of the contestants, this is a big deal, a ton of the contestants call and, 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 and ask to be picked up and finish the show is because they're lonely. Um, and, and it's really interesting to watch. Actually, a couple contestants, you just watch them, they begin to think about the children that they've that they haven't seen in a couple months. And they can't handle it, right? They begin to think about their parents um, that are a little bit older in years, and they're just like, I wanna go back to see mom and dad. You know, they think about their spouse, they think about a friend, and, and it just wrecks them, right? They're alone, and they have, they, they cannot handle the isolation because there is a deep pain in being alone. Where do you go when you're lonely? Where do you go when you're blue? Today, my, today is all about the joy of Jesus that is found in community, or in what we're calling life together. That's the joy of Jesus. If you are looking for joy today, if you are looking for God's joy to fill your life, I would like to point you to life together, to what we as Christians uh, call community, small groups, um, whatever it is that we journey together in community. By the way, for, for the next 27 minutes, by the way, if you're ever interested in how much longer I have to preach, you can just turn around. There's a clock right there. See it? Boom. Big white numbers that are just counting down. And that is my cue. And then they turn yellow 
whenever I've gone over, and then they turn red. And I, <laughs> most weeks I see them go red. Uh, but anyway, so for the next 26 minutes, I'm going to say the same thing over and over again. I'm going to talk about the importance of following Jesus in community. And I just want to say something really quick. Some of you guys have been Christians for a long time, and we're, I'm talking decades. And as you look at where you're at right now, I want to ask, who are your friends who are um, walking beside you as you follow Jesus? Who are you accountable to? Who are you opening your life to? Who are you able to be vulnerable with as you follow Jesus? See, many of us have followed Jesus for a very long time, and we've done it all alone in this weird, almost loneliness to it. So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to point us to the beauty of life together. As I mentioned, uh, these three weeks, this is a vision series, three weeks. Uh, the theme this year is the joy of Jesus. And, and I think as we find joy in community, I want you to hear these words from my favorite Christian singer-songwriter who died 25 years ago in a car accident. But he wrote the joy of Jesus. Hear these words. I want to pray for us. May the joy of Jesus be in you. And may the joy of Jesus be with you. May you know the joy of Jesus and may the joy of Jesus be in you. And come, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, King of, an, of a beautiful kingdom, we are praying that today you would give us eyes to see the beauty of this life together that you have called us to. God, we know it's hard. We know life together is messy. We know that community can be complex. But God, we are praying that you would allow our church family to taste the joy of what it means to love one another. God, we don't, we don't want to just be a, a church that is together yet isolated from each other. That we show up in a big room like this and it looks like we're together, but that we're not actually living life together. So God, would you do something beautiful in us this fall? And would you just breathe uh, your joy, your life, your grace upon us as we love one another? And we pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, Albert Schweitzer wrote this. We are all so much together, but we're all dying of loneliness. You had that experience? You might be experiencing that right now. You're in a big room with hundreds of people, but you are feeling so alone. Mother Teresa, the biggest disease today is not leprosy or tuberculosis, but rather the feeling of being unwanted, uncared for, and deserted by everybody. Some of you know the name Christopher McCandless. A couple times in the past, I've used this image to talk about community. This is a really powerful image for me. Do you know the name Christopher McCandless? There was a movie called Into the Wild that was about his life. Some of you have seen that. Christopher McCandless was born into a wealthy home in 1968 in California. He graduated from Emory University in 1990, but had this growing distaste for formal academics. In 1990, he gave all of his money away. At the time, he was a, he had just graduated, you know, and he, he, he had like $24,000. He gave $24,000 to Oxfam and immediately left home to begin an adventure in the wild. Uh, he traveled under the name Alexander Supertramp, he changed his name. <laughs> How cool is that? Alexander Supertramp. And he told people that he didn't have a family. He was becoming more and more isolated. 
So he traveled throughout America, no map, no agenda, just the will to go on a solo adventure into the wild. And the goal was Alaska. He arrived in Fairbanks, Alaska on April 28, 1992. Four months later, he would die in the wilderness. He became malnourished after eating some seed that he shouldn't have eaten. But Christopher McCandless has become a hero to some, a hero to many. He, he's, he's the example of, of someone who fled a consumeristic, corrupt North America, went into the wild, lived off the grid, had an adventure. And he did it all alone. And in the 2007 film about his life, uh, which is called Into the Wild, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the soundtrack is by Eddie Vedder, which is amazing. Um, Christopher is dying all alone, and he writes the following on the inside of a bus. He had found an abandoned bus out in a field, and he wrote this on the inside of the bus. He wrote, happiness is only real when shared. You know, after all of his going at it alone, his adventure into the Alaskan wilderness, his lesson that he learned as he was dying was this. Happiness is only real when shared. One of our values here as a church is shared lives. These lives that are shared, love for one another. And I, if I'm honest, I have, I have spent a lot of my life growing up in Christian circles that continue to emphasize the Christian version of Christopher's story. So following Jesus is to go it alone, and it's individualism, and it's Lone Ranger Christianity. But it's not biblical, and it's not what Jesus wanted. It's not what Jesus modeled, and it's not what he wants for us. Jesus lived life together with others. If you, some of you, if you're new to Jesus, if you start reading the stories of Jesus, you will find that he is very much embedded in the lives of others. He is very much in community with others, loving others, welcoming others into the community that he was building and making. There were times where he got alone to be quiet. There were times where he went into the wilderness to pray. Absolutely. And you and I need those times. But the bread and butter, the daily Jesus way was to live his life in community. So if you are looking for the joy of Jesus, I believe you will find it in his family, in this life together. So our scripture today is in Acts chapter 2. If you could grab your Bible, we'll be in Acts 2. Many of you could have predicted. Um, if you were betting people, you would bet on the passage that I have picked for today. Acts 2, we'll start in verse 42, and we'll read to verse 47. Acts 2, 42 to 47. And I, I, here's the danger about going to Acts chapter 2. Again, to you who are Christians for decades, you're like, I, I like have memorized this. I know this passage. I've heard it a thousand times. Would you, as the Spirit is moving in the room here today, would you hear it as though it's for the first time? Would you engage the Word of God as though it's the first time you're hearing it? It's beautiful. For those of you who are new to the Bible, this is a moment. Jesus lived his life. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. Then the Bible says he ascended to heaven. And so what, we were, what we're about to read is the group of followers of his who were left here on earth. And 
it, in, in the book of Acts, it says they were filled with God's Spirit at this feast called Pentecost, that God's Spirit came and filled them. It was beautiful. And, and let's read what happened to these Jesus followers. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." So this is the word of the Lord. So here's the deal. This is massive. Every time I read this passage, I, I, I realize that this has happened after the giving of the Holy Spirit. This is literally God's gift of his very presence in us. And so as these people are filled with the very presence of God, what do they look like? Well, here it is. This is what they look like. This is what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Like oftentimes we talk about being filled with the Spirit as though it's such a personal, individual thing. And there's an element to that, absolutely, for sure. But to be filled with the Spirit is to be filled, you know, that it's a community thing, that the community itself is filled with the Spirit. They loved being together. Do you see that in the text? They loved learning together. They loved eating together. They loved praying together. And they loved giving to each other. This is what following Jesus looks like. This is the beautiful life together that Jesus is calling you into. Are you in a group, in a circle, in a study, in some kind of relationships with other followers of Jesus where you are meeting together, where you're learning together, where you're eating together and praying together and giving together? Notice verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the koinonia, to the fellowship. The word devoted there, as I've mentioned before, is the word proskartereo, which can mean devoted, steadfast, continuing all the time in a place, persevering and not fainting, constantly waiting, constantly ready. So, so, so they were devoted to life together. They were steadfast in their life together. They were continuing all the time in their life together. They were persevering in their life together. See, they had seen it in Jesus, and they were going to continue. They were going to be devoted to this life together. Yeah, so they got this idea from Jesus, from Jesus. It's his idea. You know, um, speaking to his followers before his death on the cross, Jesus in John chapter 15, he, he describes joy that'll come from one command, one command. If Christianity is feeling a little complex to some of you, let's boil it down to this, this, this one command Jesus gives his followers, right? That maybe from this one command, everything else would flow. Listen to Jesus. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Pause. Pause right there. Don't read further. Just catch this. He's saying, look what he's saying. He's saying that my joy, the joy of Jesus, would be in you, blow your brain apart, and that your joy 
may be complete, like whole, that your joy would be absolutely complete. Like, before we keep reading, like, would, is this, do you want this? <laughs> is this something that you're interested in? Okay, read on. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And he says some amazing, beautiful things we don't have time for, but listen to this, verse 17. This is my command, love each other. It's one command, love each other. See, this is the heart of the Jesus people, that they would love each other. And notice, this is not his suggestion, right? Hey, just so you know, it's going to be really amazing if you did this, right? And try, you know, it's his command. It's my command. One command, one command that will lead to all the joy of Jesus filling us, that we would know the complete joy of Jesus. Love each other. I hope this is literally blowing our brains apart here, right? This goes against the, the individualism of our culture. Everything is I, everything, right? And, it, and, and he is calling us together. Love each other. Happiness is only real when shared. I like how Ron Rollheiser says it in his book, The Holy Longing. He says it this way. Ecclesiology, church, by definition, is precisely that, walking to God within a community. To attempt to make spirituality a private affair is to reject part of our very nature and walk inside a loneliness that God himself has damned. Just listen to that last line. To attempt to make spirituality a private affair is to reject part of our very nature and walk inside a loneliness, inside a loneliness that God himself has damned. What did God put to death? God has put to death the idea that you do this alone, right? He's put that to death. And that you, and he invites you into his family, into his body, into his people. Are you in a group? That is meeting, learning, eating, praying, giving together. There's a joy there. I love the image. Whenever I talk about community, I love to talk about um, something that I'm not good at, uh, which is building a, a coal fire, um, a fire made of coals. You with me? Uh, this is really complex. Uh, you pour, you grab a bag of these charcoals, and uh, in the first service, I was like, I had like a mental uh, moment because I was like. I think they're called briquettes, um, right? Doesn't that sound like a, like a, like a female dance troupe? <laughs> the briquettes? It's like, anyway, but I think they are, they are called, I think First Service said, yes, they are called briquettes. Anyway, imagine, in your mind, a pile of briquettes uh, together, and you try to get them to uh, come on fire. Okay, so... So what happens if, like, so they, they go, they're, they're black, and then they go to red, they're glowing red, then they become, like, this gray, and there's, like, tons of heat emanating from this pile of briquettes, and um, from coals, let's say coals. Uh, and so what do you do if you take a coal and put it over here on the side? What happens? Well, it'll burn for, like, it'll glow red or whatever for a while, but slowly 
it will um, go out, right? Like it'll lose all of its energy and it won't be warm or hot any longer, right? But that simply by taking it and putting it back on the pile, it will glow red again. And there's a sense, of, I like that image when it comes to Christian community because I've experienced that in my life, right? That there's a sense in which like I've got very little strength to pray. I've got very little strength to worship. Maybe I don't really want to read God's word. Like I'm not into it. I'm cynical, I'm jaded, I'm whatever, tired. But there's a sense that if I just get into a room with other people who are loving Jesus at the moment, there's a sense in which I like, it's like I, I begin to, to glow again, right? That there's a sense in which I, I hear my brothers and sisters praying, and I hear my brothers and sisters opening up God's word, and I'm just sitting there, and I, there's a sense in which like they are carrying me. There's this beautiful love for each other. And so like that little coal, I'm placed back on the fire to glow red again. I, I, I've always loved that image of community. And, and, and uh, Tim, Pastor Tim here, was just brought up a brilliant point that oftentimes we, we don't realize the cost of non-community, right? It's only when we hit a rough time in our life where we go, oh, where's my community? Right? So when we're isolated, we're that coal that's like way over there. <laughs> And all, all of a sudden, we're like, oh, I actually am feeling the effect of not having these deep, rich, Jesus-centered relationships in my life, right? Because what happens? We, we, we go through a crisis, and we're like, who's there to care for us at that moment? Who's bringing by the meals? Who's praying for us? Who's encouraging us? Sometimes we're like, I haven't had anyone speak words of life into my life in quite a long time. Have you ever had the experience of someone who loves Jesus coming into your life and going, man, you are so good at that. I see that in you. Like, you know, and moments where we're beginning to believe some lies in our life and they, and they remind us of truth. Do you have a friend like that who will remind you of truth about who you are and how much God loves you? See, there's a cost to not having community. We can go for so long without having this essential community in our lives. Now, let me say this. Christian community is not all kittens and roses and puppy dogs and whatever it is. Something cute, right? We all know this. Actually, to be honest, a lot of us in the room have been hurt in some Christian community that we've had. Somebody has said something offensive, um, you know, a broken relationship, whatever. And some, some of you are like, I don't know if I have what it takes to want to join another community or enter into a deep relationship with another Christian. Like, I have a bad experience with that. And, uh, and, and, and actually, a lot of us are still processing things, right? Taking years to still go through like, ah, that was so painful, right? And I know we all have a different journey to take. I think my hope, though, is that no matter what your experience is, is that we would trust, that we would trust that there are great people who are following Jesus, who want to be in your life, and that, and that there's a sense in which those people need you as well. And what I would love to see in our church family is that the loneliness that many of us can actually experience in a room like this, um, we come to church on a Sunday and it's like, yeah, I'm just sitting here and I don't know anybody, right? That we inch by inch would be a church where we're seeing that healed and where we're seeing these relationships formed. But it, it can be difficult, you know? Community is difficult, why? Well, because people are difficult and people are weird, right? <laughs> Let's say that differently. I'm difficult, 
and I'm weird, right? And I'm emotional, and I'm selfish, and I'm sinful, right? And so life together is not easy, and it involves uh, sometimes stepping into the light and confessing sin, and, and it, it involves um, saying I'm sorry when relationships uh, uh, are hurting, and, and it involves care for one another. That involves time, and it involves prayers, and it involves meals, and coming alongside people when they're weeping and when they're grieving, and, 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 and so it's difficult, it's hard, but, it, but I, I want to pitch a vision of joy here that even amidst all of that, many of us who have been in Christian community would say it is so worth it. It's so worth it. Even though we had a breakdown in relationship, it was actually the process of finding reconciliation that led to so much joy. It was actually walking with that friend of ours through the tough, deep season of life as they wrestled with grief or loss or you know, whatever it is, that actually that there was a joy there because I felt like Jesus was using me to be a blessing, you know? That even though it is difficult, there's a joy there. And so what, I think what we need to do is we need to rebuke the idealism we have about life together. And I've said this before, but I think we picture like Christian community is like one of those pictures from like, I don't know, some commercial where everybody is like in the Rocky Mountains and there's like hanging lights outside and everyone's got like cool toques on and, you know, around a really cool fire and they're just like laughing, they're mid-laugh and then your picture's taken and you're like, that's the kind of community I want, right? And they're all trendy. They all shop at like the trendiest places. And uh, we're like, oh, I want community like that. And then, you know, we actually show up to our life group and we're like, hmm, those are, these are not those people that were, <laughs> that were in the picture. I want the picture version of this. And... You know, community is never perfect, right? Because I show up, right? Because you, you show up, we show up. And, 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 and because we are walking through life with all the complexity of who we are, we show up to community. And, and, uh, and we walk in this beautiful uh, opportunity to love each other in that imperfectness of community. So um, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, uh, says it very bluntly when he says this. He says, he who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial, right? You meet sometimes those who have this vision of Christian community and it's perfect, right? And, and, and they're honest, they're earnest, they're sacrificial, uh, but it's all a dream, it's a dream. It's all just this thing that they're hunting for, right? When real life people are right in front of them. And we neglect the real people that are in front of us. We destroy Christian community because it doesn't match our dreams, right? So could we be a people that move beyond that kind of idealism, that we rebuke that idealism, and that we love the people that are right in front of our eyes? that are right here, right here. <laughs> and so we all recognize, I have to recognize that I'm the broken person, that this group of people are gonna have to love, right? I'm the broken person. And uh, it's been just this really uh, cool season for me. Um, when Tanya and I and our kids went on this road trip in the summer, I was able to visit a lot of old friends in my life friends that I grew up with when I was a kid, went to high school with, went to college with, and getting to have dinners and conversations and coffees all along the way was just really beautiful for me. And 
I had to, I realized that it takes years, but there are these incredible people in my life scattered around the world, literally, who I love and who they love me. And I just remember being so, I just, I was so grateful this summer. But then I was like doubly grateful because I knew I was coming back to you. I knew I was coming back to us. I was coming back to these rich relationships that for me, for the past 15 years, have changed my life. And many of you in the room, I've walked very closely with in these beautiful, many of you men, I've been in Bible studies with and accountability groups with and, and just, just the joy of knowing I was coming here, coming home right after the road trip. And, and, and I feel so rich. And there's a, verse that, there's a verse that really encouraged me this summer. Psalm 61, 5, it says, For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. I have this rich heritage of those who love God. I have just abundant heritage. And what I desire for you, many of you in the room would say the same thing. I know many of you would say the same thing. But if you're in that place, you're like, this is like day one for you, right? And you're just like, I would love that one day. I believe Jesus is delighted to gift you this gift of community, right? He's ready as you, be, as you take a step of faith and enter into a community. He's there. He'll meet you. And he'll grow something beautiful. So uh, right now, I'm going to give you just like four examples of some on-ramps into community. No, just so you know, we are not here to give you your best friend. We are not a dating service, right? We're, this, that's not what the church is, you know? Well, I would prefer a better group, and I would, you know, this is not who, what we can do is we can offer a few on-ramps, and these are steps of faith that you could take um, to join community. So the first one is very obvious. It's what we call life groups, life groups. So life groups are groups of 10 to 12. Um, who uh, are ready to live life together as they follow Jesus. If you are interested in being part of a life group, I think we have over 50 life groups here at our church, maybe more than that. Haven't asked recently, so don't know how many there are. But I think there's at least 50, 50, 60. And, and there, there are already, we already have 30 people that are signed up to be part of the Life Together course. These are 30 people who are looking for community. And so just so you know, you're not gonna show up at this event all by yourself and be the only one there with a bunch of pastors staring at you awkwardly. There's like 30 people that are already signed up, which is awesome. And so we would love to see two, three, four life groups formed out of, out of this course. So it starts next Sunday, September 18th for lunch. See, we're doing biblical things. We're eating together. So that's good. So you don't have to make lunch, which is awesome. Uh, so come, lunch is on us. So September 18th, after the second service, lunch. Number two is I want to talk about apprentice groups. We don't, I don't talk about these often enough, but these are groups that are groups of three or four of the same gender where you get together and it's, an, it's a deeper space for vulnerability. Sometimes we find that in kind of a, a larger groups of 12, sometimes it's a little harder to be as vulnerable or open about some of the deep things going on. So what we've found is that there's this kind of a smaller group of three or four uh, that we call apprentice groups at, that are just beautiful places to, 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 to learn together, pray together, care for one another, be vulnerable with each other, be accountable to each other. And so um, I would love to invite you to be part of an apprentice group. But now here's the deal. This is not programmed at our church. All, all it is is for you to approach a couple people um, and to say, would you like to be in a group with me? It's all on you. <laughs> it's all kind of organic. Like, we have tools and resources. Pastor Tim, 
uh, Pastor Spencer. They would love to equip you with some tools on how to, how to have an apprentice group. Um, and so you can connect with them if you're interested. But in terms of forming the group, it really is a step of faith. It's for you to go, you know what, Lord, I want to pray about it. Who are the one, two, three people that I'm called into community with? Now, where did we get this idea from? Well, it's, we tried to get it from Jesus. So Jesus had 12 disciples, but he also had a smaller group of three, Peter, James, and John. And you notice that he had this like little inner group that he ministered with. And it's pretty cool. You actually see him with them at the transfiguration in Luke 9, when Jairus' daughter dies in Luke 8, in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14. Check it out. Look it up. Um, he had this tighter inner group of three that he that he walked with. And so what we're trying to do here at North Langley is to follow Jesus. So uh, there's a group of three and a group of 12. And so those are our life groups and those are our apprentice groups. And just so you know, this is not like a legalistic thing. If you're part of a life group and you feel like you're able to be vulnerable and dive into scripture with them, that's great. You don't need an apprentice group. Um, if you're an apprentice group, a group of three or four, and you're like, well, I could also sign up for a life group, but I feel like I'm growing in Christ in this apprentice. That's great right? Don't, this is not legalism here, okay? Just we want you to be part of some kind of circle, some kind of gathering where you are growing in your faith. Um, just on that note of apprentice groups, I wanted to tell you something cool. So for about a year, um, we've had a group that's meeting in the chapel every Tuesday morning, wait for it, at 6.30 a.m. Woo! Uh, some of you guys are like young adults, and you're like, I don't wake up till like 11. And uh, some of you are already working at like 5.30 in the morning, and you guys are crazy. Uh, but if you're a normal person, uh, somewhere in the middle between those two extremes, uh, I remember when I was going to Trinity, I couldn't wake up in time for chapel, which started at 11. And uh, <laughs> the funny thing about that is Pastor Tim was leading chapel. And uh, so I missed a lot of years uh, with Tim because I couldn't wake up. But anyway... So for most of the world, we live somewhere in between. So if you start work at 8 o'clock or whatever, anyway, come 6.30, we're done at 7.45, 6.30, 7.45, there's coffee, and we're walking through the book of Philippians every Tuesday morning. It starts this Tuesday, September 13th. The idea here is come with your apprentice group, come, the three of you, the four of you, sit together at a table, fresh coffee, uh, and we're, we, 20 minutes, we dive into the book of Philippians, then for another 20 minutes, uh, uh, 30 minutes, you get to... Uh, have a discussion with your apprentice group and pray for each other. And then you top up your coffee and head to work. It's super fun. So a bunch of us have done this this last year, every Tuesday morning, um, and just come. Just ask a couple people to be in an apprentice group and then come on Tuesday morning and we'll dive into Philippians chapter one and it'll go to, uh, September 13th to December 13th. So you're more than welcome to come. Tuesday's chapel. Okay, um, final thing. Sorry, I know this feels like a long infomercial, but these are on-ramps into community. So here's another one. This is a big one. I want to say I'm in the yellow. I see. I note. But I'm not in the red, so just wait. Wait for it. Uh, so our, we really believe uh, in church planting, and let me tell you why. Um, just a number of years ago, just this picture of us being a church that doesn't grow large in one spot, but that multiplies and that has smaller communities where people can actually know one another, people can actually use their gifts, there's opportunities to serve, to be in community. So like, so the vision here is when we planted six years ago our Yorkson campus, it was so cool to see, like, I think it was like 150 people leave North Langley, or Walnut Grove here, to be part of that community. 
I would love, if you live in the Willoughby area especially, or even if not, I would love to see another 150 of you next Sunday, not here uh, at Walnut Grove, but go to Yorkson. Honestly, Pastor Jeff, his wife Michelle, Tiana leads worship, Christy with the kids. It's, in a, it's a beautiful group where you can use your gifts, where you can be known in community. Uh, they're doing wonderful things. And so that, that campus is there. We would love to see you have a vision for that. That's what Life Together is. It's not to remain anonymous in a larger campus, right? But it's actually to be part of real community. That's why we're church planting. Um, we are church planting for evangelism. We want to see churches. But a huge part of this is life together. And the, and the beautiful sense, and actually a friend of mine, Brett, who does our tech directing here, he said it's like coming home. I love that. It's like this homecoming. It's like that you are coming home when you're a part of the Yorkson campus. And the other campus we have is Aldergrove. And it will start uh, October 9th. I think they're going to do a soft launch on October 2nd. But man, Kevin is the is lead pastor there. John, associate pastor. Um, uh, Isaac, who just was drumming there, he's going to be leading the worship team. It's just an amazing group of people. I would love to see like a couple hundred of you not come back here and just go and be part of Aldergrove. How beautiful would that be as they are just starting from the like ground up, like fresh blank page of community um, in Aldergrove. And, and, and it would just be so wonderful to see uh, uh, this kind of multiplication happen. And why? Because we're actually called to be a part of families that actually know one another and are serving together and using their gifts with one another. And so we want to kind of move out of that kind of come and be anonymous to, uh, to actually knowing one another. So would you seriously pray about whether it's the Yorkson campus or whether it's the Aldergrove campus? I know Pastor Jeff and Pastor Kevin would love to have a coffee with you if you're at all interested in being part of the, either campus. Um, we would just love to see, honestly, I would honestly love to see like three, 400 people leave Walnut Grove and be part of these communities. It would be such a rich uh, experience for us as a church. Okay, let me land the plane here. Final thing, this has to be a priority, right? It has to be a priority. I love this quote from John Ortberg. He says, people rarely drift into deep community. We don't drift into it, right? Psychologist Alan McGinnis notes that rule number one for entering into deep friendship sounds deceptively simple. Assign top priority to your relationships. <laughs> Ironically, we tend to devote massive amounts of time to making money, running errands, succeeding at our jobs, but we neglect giving our most valuable possession, time, to the experience for which we were created, community. Let's do this. Let's make this a priority this year. I can't wait to see what God is going to do this fall as he pulls us into circles together, loving one another. Uh, final note, just for those of you who are new to Jesus, can I suggest Alpha? If you are brand new to Jesus, if you're wondering who Jesus is and what it's all about, why did he die, would you come? Be part, it's, we've got a circle for you, right? Over a meal. And we would love for you to experience who Jesus is. Did you hear Laura's story earlier on, on the video? Laura's story? When she connected with God at Alpha, what was her story? Her story was that she first saw the love of a community and it pointed her to the love of God. That's what it's all about. Let's stand together. John 15 again. Here's, let's listen to Jesus. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is my command, love each other. 
And so, Jesus, we are so thankful for this command you have given us. And you didn't give us a command that you weren't willing to live out yourself. And when we look to the cross, we see the great love of a, of a friend, capital F, you know, a deep friend who laid down his life for us. We see that in you, Jesus. And we want to model that, and we want to lay down our lives for our friends. So come, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us here as we pray? Lord Langley, would you just open up your heart to hear what he might say? Our prayer team will be on the side and in the back, and there's a real invitation here to just lean in in prayer. So are you feeling like you need some healing from complacency when it comes to community? Do you have some anxiety about these new relationships that you're going to enter into? Are there some relationships that need to be healed? Do you need prayer for courage? Prayer for wisdom for the next step? Our team would love to pray for you. So Holy Spirit, would you guide us? Would you speak to us? We pray that you would fill us. We want more of you. We want you to fill us with the joy of Jesus. We want you to form beautiful little communities among us that we would truly love one another. So North Langley, may the joy of Jesus be in you and may the joy of Jesus be with you. May you know the joy of Jesus and may the joy of Jesus be in you.